episode 120 above ground podcast no hopeless soul with jamie from indy disclaimer the host of this podcast timothy patrick and will foley are by no means medical professionals however having lived experience with mental illness themselves they have gained useful perspectives on common mental health issues that some of us struggle to overcome on a daily basis by sharing their stories they hope to create connection by creating connection they hope to help you find your purpose And through purpose, we can all begin to build the foundation for positive mental health. This is Above Ground Podcast. Are you ready to lace up your boots, throw up your horns, and jump into the pit? Then let's stomp the stigmas of mental illness. It's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now, Will Foley and Timothy Patrick. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to Above Ground Podcast. Above Ground Podcast, because you can't serve below. What's up, TPP? How are we doing this morning, dude? We're doing. How are you doing? I'm all right, man. I'm all right. Me and uh, me and Grogu are hanging out, you know, chit-chatting, drinking some coffee. He's got his coffee. I got mine. All right. You got double. Yeah, I got double, except his <laughs> cup seems to be a lot more empty than mine for some reason. I don't know why that is. Uh, we are on Zoom, so that means we are here for another interview this week. And uh, I'm going to let Tim lead us in on this one. Well, we are here with Jamie. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of been a long time coming. I, I believe, if I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe we uh, kind of found each other uh, on a Facebook post. Maybe if it was AFSP and, and she had, had just kind of left a comment about um, losing her son Griffin. And, um, so I kind of, uh, just saw it and gave her a little solace, I guess you could say. And and we kind of went back and forth a bit and, um, you know, we're always looking for people to help, uh, help us shed some light, help us open up the conversation on these topics. And, you know, these topics aren't always easy to talk about and they are often shied away from talking about. So, Um, you know, and that's what we're here to do is to kind of open up the conversation, not to open wounds or anything and not to romanticize it, but to, to spread awareness that this stuff is happening and how others are dealing with it, how they're handling the situation, what they're doing. Um, you know, some of that stuff may help others. So, um, yeah, Jamie's here to basically, you know, Tell us that no one's too far gone and there's no hopeless souls. Well, good morning, Jamie. Thank you for being here with us. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Let me just ask first, how are you now? How are you doing? How are you holding up and moving on? And, and, um, it, it depends on the day. Um, You know, I have my really good days with um, family and um, my grandkids, and I still have days that I can't get out of bed, but those days are fewer now. Um, He is constantly on my mind. He's first thing I think of in the morning and you know, I have a picture of him in my room. And so every night before I go to bed, I look at him and tell him, you know, I love you and I miss you. Um, but, you know, it's like a roller coaster you can never get off of. Yeah. May I? Oh, sorry, Tim. No, I was just, yeah, that's, yeah. Go ahead. Um, I, I wanted to ask, um, may I ask how old Griffin was? He was 20. Wow. He um, would have been 21 in Mar- on March 16th. He passed away September 14th, um, 2018. Now, during... I. I, there's lots of, there's no one single reason that leads, leads us down this path ever, as we find out. Um, did, did Griffin have mental health issues growing up? Was this something that, that kind of 
maybe came out of like a left field sort of thing? Or was there anything that you had noticed? Did it, was he in treatment for anything? Did he have any issues leading up to this? You know, so funny, the things that you see afterwards. Um, But, you know, Griffin, as a child, struggled with his weight a lot. Um, And uh, I, I can't ever say that he was bullied or anything because he was comfortable with his weight as far as I knew. Um, but he, he, um, started using drugs in high school, you know, started, you know, smoking pot and stuff like that. And, you know, of course I wasn't comfortable with that. And, um, but I never really saw any depression um, or anything that would make this come of, you know, cause this, I would never, I never thought he would do this. He was always surrounded by ton of friends that he loved dearly and that loved him dearly and he was you know always on the go I mean he was always on the go he he worked um you know the same job through high school out of high school for like two and a half years he had the same core group of friends um since he was you know early grade school and kept adding on to friends and stuff like that. So he was well-loved and loved deeply. What was some of his favorite things to do? What was like, where, where was he headed as far as you knew? Cause obviously graduating high school, was he in college? Was he heading to college? Was he going to the military? Was he? When he graduated high school, the majority of his friends went straight to Indiana University. Okay. And um, Griffin did not go. And um, so he waited two years, and um, that was terribly hard on him. You know, all his buddies were there, and he wasn't. And so he worked really hard and, um, you know, I could tell a little bit that, you know, he was down and didn't like it. He started going to visit, um, down there, which it's not too far. It's like an hour away. And he would drive down there on the weekends and visit his friends. And, um, but then I saw, I figured out the, uh, drug use got deeper then. Okay. And I think that was because of him not being with his friends. And um, he started using some harder things. Okay. Yeah, it sounded like he he was uh, always surrounded by either friends or family. So, you know, having that same core group of friends and you know growing up with that and then to just kind of suddenly lose it although they technically didn't lose them but uh, you know you know what I mean uh just to kind of you know have other people move out or whatever move away where they're not as accessible you know I could see that being a a pretty big shock yeah that's a loss to him for sure right I mean out now that's a loss like he's he was grieving that during those couple of years to if you don't mind me asking, was there a reason that he chose not to go with his friends? Was he, did he not know what he wanted to do? Was it not really? You know, I really don't know why he just said he wasn't ready. And um, <clears throat> my daughter was in college at a different school and um, 
you know, we had money saved for Griffin and we told him, you know, we're going to help you. And he just wasn't ready. A lot of people aren't ready to make that decision right, right after high school. You're literally been going through the last 12 years of your life where everybody's like, this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. You got to study this. You got to do this. That puts a lot of pressure on a kid, man. Right. Yeah. I, was gonna, I was just going to say, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that's the better option is to, you know, know that you're, you know yourself enough to where you're not ready and, and say, I need to do X, Y, Z first or whatever, you know, take a year off. So that's, that's actually, you know, again, that yeah, could have been, could have been a good choice on his part. Yeah. I think the gap year choice for a lot of people is smart because then they can try to at least, at least try to narrow down what they would like to do for at least the next 20 years of their life. Cause I think a lot of kids, unfortunately get stuck in this where you got to pick something you're going to do for the rest of your life. And half the time we pick stuff that drains us, grinds us and, and just, you know, just knocks us down so much that, it grinds us down to pepper. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is when he decided to go to school and move down to Bloomington, Indiana, he was only there for like 33 days. And then he took his life. Now, did he take his life on campus? Or was he, he was he, he with lived- you? No, he was at at school. Okay, and he had a house with four of his buddies, and yeah, that's where it happened. You know, he um, his friends came over to pick him up and load up their U-Haul, and um, I went out and took some pictures you know, and he was so excited and I was happy for him. And, you know, I told myself, don't cry, don't cry. And I didn't. And, um, I watched him pull off and, um, I went upstairs and I heard shortly after within five minutes, I heard the door open and shut and I ran downstairs and Griffin said I forgot my backpack and so he came up from the basement because that's where he his bedroom was and um he started walking down the driveway he didn't know that I was behind him and um at the end of the driveway he hugged me saw me I was crying he hugged me and he said, it's okay, mom. It's okay. So um, he got in the car and I went back upstairs to my bedroom and he, I don't even know if he had left the neighborhood yet because as soon as I got upstairs, he had sent me a text and said, don't be sad, mama. Be happy. God is with me. And, you know, I still feel him saying those words to me, even though 33 days later he was gone. I, and I don't, I don't want to whiplash this, but I, I want to kind of, I, I can feel this. I, I just want, I want everybody to hear what, what is your happiest memory of Griffin? What is, what is, what is one of your happiest memories of Griffin? He was just really um, enthusiastic, funny, witted kid. And um, I just, you know, one of my very happiest memories that happen often when Bailey, my daughter, um, who is two years older than Griffin. Um, Their bedrooms were across the hall from each other and he would hide and scare her and she would scream. And this would happen at like 10 o'clock at night or while they're getting ready for school in the morning. And, you know, and then they started doing it to each other 
you know, and it happened all the time. And he would just belly laugh and she would be like almost in tears because he scared her. And he just thought it was the funniest thing to harass her. And, you know, that's just the kind of kid he was. He, you know, listen, I, I know parents that have lost a child will say, you know, oh, he had the biggest heart. No, you know, they want to remember the good, you know, and I am one of those parents, but I'm also a realistic parent where I don't forget the troubles that we had. I don't forget the struggles that he had. And, um, but he was just a funny, you know, loving kid. I know that you are pretty um, involved or, or strong with your faith now. Was that, um, was, was that after, did this happen after, or was that always a thing for you? Um, it's, it's always been, you know, my first and foremost, um, you know, I was born and raised Catholic and went to grade school, high school and college and Catholic schooling. And then, you know, as I got older and had kids, um, you know, they started off in um, Catholic faith. And um, then I, you know, got divorced and I got remarried and um, I went through uh, some rough times myself. Um, and I went to a retreat that my friend Denise begged me to go to for like two years. And, um, it was a non-denominational Christian retreat and it just, uh, it was like a three day retreat and, those three days changed my entire world. And if I would not have done that for myself, I always say it was the best gift I've ever given myself. And if I would not have done that, I don't know if I would be here today after what happened with Griffin, because that just amplified my faith. I started reading the Bible, you know, I just, felt God's presence in me like never before. And um, it made me a strong woman where before I never had that strength. Yeah. I it's, it's said that the, the, the universe will talk to us in the language that we understand. So it, it makes a lot of sense that going to a retreat based on a faith that you, that you so, are involved in, it would come to you that way. Yes. And that's good. And that's good that you have that, that grounding. Um, I, what is, what, what were some of Griffin's, uh, like, what were some of Griffin's like hobbies and was there anything that stood out that he liked to do? Was he an artist? Was he a crafter? Was he, or was he a gamer? Like, was there lots of, there were there things that he had that, that he was doing? Was he an athlete? Did he have? He, he played football growing up in grade school and his freshman and sophomore year in high school. Um, <clears throat> the thing he liked to do most with his buddies, if they weren't outside, they were in the basement um, playing Fortnite. And, you know, he had all the equipment, the headphones and, you know, all that stuff. And, and he loved doing that with his buddies. They, you know, when he moved from his bedroom upstairs to the basement and that happened, um, when his buddies left for school, um, he, he wanted to feel like he was on his own, you know, and he, uh, you know, had a, air hockey table and a ping pong table and blue lights all around and um 
you know, so when he did see his buddies, they'd watch movies down there and play Fortnite all night. And um, other than that, he spent so much time with his friends. Um, here at our house, they'd have pool parties. They'd go cliff diving. They'd go... Um, just Kings Island in Ohio and you know they just they just go and um you know that was one thing that I think surprised my family and all of his friends is I could see how much he loved life and wanted to be around you know his friends and he didn't like waste a day in bed or waste a day. He did what he wanted to do. And I envied that in him, you know, because he was so free spirited that way. Did any of his friends or do any of his friends, I guess I should say, um, stay in contact with you at all and, and check in or anything like that or. There are um, some of his friends, the girls, Abby and Savvy, who are like my daughters now. You know, I mean, they come over, they, they're in school still in, in Bloomington, and um, they um, come over on breaks. They send me flowers and call me on Mother's Day. You know, they... The ones that I worry about, I worry about all of them. Like they're my own children. I've known them almost their whole lives. Um, but I worry about his very best friend, Jordan, every day. I worry about his friend, Tyler, who found Griffin every day. Um, Jordan, Ty, I talk to occasionally and Jordan has pulled away and, you know, I'll call him and he won't answer. I'll text him. He won't text back. But when Bailey tries to get a hold of him, he always responds to her. I think it, it might, I don't know why. I, I think it might either be too hard for Jordan um, or you know maybe there's something I don't know that he knows you know but I try not to think in that pattern because I don't want to fall down a hole that I've been in after you know the hole of grief that I was in the first year um, every single year this will be our third year. We all get together and do the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention Walk. My family, Griffin's friends. And then afterwards, um, everybody comes over to our house and we, you know, have a bunch of food, drinks, they swim, you know, and that I thought the first year we did that the first year after he passed away was on September the 14th, 2019, the day that the one year date of Griffin's passing. And I didn't want to go. I dreaded it. I had so much anxiety about it, but it's really been a true blessing in my life to have that, the love and, um, camaraderie with my family and friends and the AFSP family, um, which I love that organization. I'm proud to sponsor it. And um, so this year we're doing it on September the 12th. And it's yeah, ours is September 26th here. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and you know, instead of dreading it, I look forward to it because I know I'm going to see his friends. I know that we're going to remember Griffin together, you know, and then I know after the walk, I hope, you know, I hope and pray every day that they find some sort of peace, not just for them, for myself. And, um, then, you know, afterwards, you know, we sit outside around the pool and eat and, you know, like Zach Cash, one of his buddies, um, showed me a video that I'd never seen of them, the guys. And, you know, I, I love to hear his friends talk about him. Um, I think it's therapeutic for them and it's therapeutic for me as well. I wish I could do it. I wish I could do it with them once a week, but you know, I mean, they're 23 year old, 24 year old kids and I understand they don't want to hang out with their buddy's mom anymore. I, that actually, I'm sorry, Tim, because I got to, no, yeah, go. um, that kind of leads me into the next question is to, to ask you, what, what are you doing? What is something that you did for yourself or are doing for yourself currently that has helped you with your grief, uh, therapy, anything like that, that you're willing to share with us to say, out there for parents who have dealt with the same thing that may not have, you know, may not have, or haven't gone through this, but may someday. And just to say, how, how is your self care and what are you doing for yourself right now? And how have I, you- I um, have worked on my self care every day, every single day I work on, whether it's getting out of bed, you know, it's a job for me, you know, taking a shower, putting on makeup, doing my hair, you know, um, feels like a chore some days. Um, Griffin, I, I was in therapy before Griffin passed away. Um, I had some really severe, um, health issues. I had really bad colitis, um, ulcerative colitis, um, the beginning stages of Crohn's disease. And it was so um, physically bad for me. Then it became mentally bad for me that I started going to therapy. Uh, And I had, um, we found out Griffin had passed away Friday. The police came to our home around 3 30 4 o'clock and my husband and I were in my therapist's office that Monday morning at like 10 30. Shockingly enough by God's grace I had already had that appointment with my therapist so um I see her once or twice a month depending on now I see her once or twice a month um depending on how I'm doing when at the beginning I saw her, it seemed like I was there every week. Um, and my husband goes, we go together, we go separately. Um, and so that's been just so helpful. I don't go every single time now and talk about Griffin like I used to like the whole thing and you know now I talk about myself but Griffin always comes up um it's it's been a blessing that we have had Dr. Fleming in our life and she you know has been someone I can count on um my mom went to a local church here, Guys Christian Church, and they have a um, grief counseling there. And she really wanted me to do it and sort of pushed me to do it the first year. And I wasn't ready. You know, I, I couldn't even handle 
my own grief, let alone sitting and listening to somebody else's grief. It was just not for me at that time. It helped my mom tremendously. And I'm so glad that she went. Um, my daughter sought therapy as well. Um, Bailing Griffin's grandfather passed away two years before Griffin did. And um, he took his life, their dad's dad. And um, so after that happened, it, um, Bailey went to therapy and she said, <clears throat> going through that with her grandfather, um, almost like prepared her mentally for Griffin's passing. Like after he passed, she knew how to deal with it because she had sought help. She's a strong girl. It sounds it sounds that way. I she, now you she's said stronger than me. Yeah. <laughs> and now you you had stated that Griffin's grandfather had taken his life. Yes. And so <laughs> I I I will ask: Was there other mental health issues throughout the family? Um, that you knew of, or, I mean, obviously you've had your own struggles also, and you, you were seeking therapy prior to, to Griffin's passing. And you said that you had gone through a divorce and stuff. So there's obviously been some traumatic stuff happened in people's lives in your life, especially. So you, there was stuff that you had to deal with. So I was just curious to know if there was any other mental health related issues within your family at up to that point that you had known of before the passing of his grandfather. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, alcohol, alcoholism runs in both sides of Griffin's family and, um, his grandfather was an alcoholic and, um, he, you know, fought the disease for many years and had a few years of sobriety. Um, and, but he was always very, very good to his only two grandchildren, Bailey and Griffin. Um, it was a demon for him. And um, he told their grandmother, his, his wife, Kathy, that um, basically he waited until Bailey and Griffin were adults. And he wanted to see him grow up. And then he couldn't take the, couldn't take the pressure anymore is what I, uh, my understanding from what my ex-husband and I have spoken about, um, you know, Griffin had a lot of those tendencies, you know, with that alcoholism and, um, some drug abuse and Griffin, um, we sent Griffin to treatment in, uh, Florida for a few months to get help. And he came back from treatment and told me to my face, mom, I will never ever use drugs again, but I'm not going to stop drinking. And that was a shock. Um, Bailey, you know, you see things after the fact, like I said before, and Bailey said she thinks he did what he did because he didn't want to suffer like his grandfather did with addiction. I don't know if that's true. I have suffered my whole life from anxiety and depression. And Griffin and I are a lot alike. Um, Bailey's more like her dad and her stepdad who raised her. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a crier. I hold my heart on my sleeve. And, you know, I... Those um, aren't bad things, though. Those no, they're not. Things. They're they're not qualities to, to apologize for. It's just right. sometimes that leaves that you susceptible... Now. It leaves you susceptible to things. That's the problem. Yeah. I, I take other, 
I used to take other people's problems and issues and bear that on my soul. Um, and I don't do that anymore. I mean, I, I try, I'm, I'm mindful of it because Congratulations. I, what I, get, thank you. I know it's hard. It's hard for me. You know, it's hard for me not to worry myself almost to death about Griffin's friends because I could let myself do that. You know, I could, I could go down that big sinking dark hole again, you know, and that's where, you know, I, I told you that every day I wake up, I, I try to do the best that I can with God's help and grace. That's all we can do. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's all you sounds, can expect. I, yeah, it sounds really... like uh, your daughter, Bailey is a, a very strong woman. So, you know, she has the, uh, you know, privilege burden, however you want to look at it as to carry that, that, uh, you know, that beacon of hope, that torch of hope and, you know, kind of stop the, the, that, process and and carry on healing for the family you know so she's got a she's got a, a big weight but it sounds like she can carry that very well she is remarkable you know i mean i tell her all the time i wish i had your strength because you know something will happen and the picture will pop up on facebook of bailey and griffin when they were in high school or you know, whatever. And I will just erupt in tears and Bailey will look at it and smile. And I say, why doesn't this make you cry? You know, like what's wrong with you? And it's just, that's how she finds peace is to, you know, yeah. Some people, some people can look at it and say, you know, um, I am happy to have shared the time that I did with him, you know, as opposed to missing him so much and focusing on the hurt more. It's a tough thing to do, but mindset and, you know, how we talk to ourselves is so huge. That's very true because um, I remind myself so frequently that I've written it in Sharpie on my bathroom mirror you know, God gave me you for 20 and a half years, one of the best gifts I've ever been given, you know, to remind myself that, you know, I had the blessing of being his, his mom, good or bad, you know, pain, struggle, cheer, happiness, joy, but most of all, love. I had that gift of Griffin for 20 and a half years. And, you know, I, I feel blessed to be his mom. And Bailey's mom. I'm just grateful and blessed. It, it sounds to me as if they were also. And you, I, I, I can't thank you enough for being willing to come on and talk about your son and your daughter and, and, and your family and, and, and opening up wounds that you're still, you will be obviously tending to for the rest of your life in one way or another. It, I, and I hope that you find peace if you haven't already and on, on your path of finding peace, because I don't know if we ever find peace. I do know from my years of being involved in AFSP and seeing the same people come to walks every year that it's, it's wonderful to be able to see certain people start to smile after a couple of years and, and being able to re being able to reignite their flame for living and, and still being able to memorialize the people that we've lost. And I think that it's, and that's why we do what we're doing is we just hope that we can share stories and keep people's memories alive. And, and I know you said this every, you said this when you wake up every day, that it's, it's, it's a, it's 
just part of self-care just to get out of bed and put makeup on and that you have a picture of him in your bedroom and that he's the first thing you think of. And, and as, as someone who has a really deep faith, um, you must feel his energy all around you, I would think. Right. You know, it's um, his friends have individually called me and told me about things that they have seen or felt or, you know, and my husband has a, had those experiences, you know, where he would be down in the basement and watching a game and talking to Griffin and saying, did you see that play that so-and-so on the Packers just made? And then a light will turn on or something like that will happen. I, there was two things that I did the weekend after Griffin's funeral. I told my husband, we were alone sitting on our back patio and I told, looked at him and I said, you know, I'm not going to let Griffin's death tear our marriage apart. Um, I know that that happens when people lose a child. And I said, um, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to fight for our marriage. And the second thing was I was alone by myself where I am sitting right now on the balcony off my bedroom and the sun was going down and I looked up into the sky and I said, God, you know, I don't need any signs from you. I don't need anything because I know my son is with you now. So ever since I said that, I really don't seek anything, you know, like I know people want to seek to have a sign and stuff like that. I'm just not that kind of girl. You know, you know that, that's, that's actually, good, that's good. Yeah. That can bring, cause you, you're, then you're, you know, diverting everything to that, that thing you're seeking this uh, light, this, you know, this, whatever it is, this, you know, and that can create more suffering on top of already what is, is happening. So that can be a good thing for sure. I mean, that's, you know, yeah, that's, that's, the a, Buddhist, I, that's the Buddhist tenant, man, letting go. And that's, and that letting go is, is big because by letting that go to that, then you're able to bring all the, all the things now that you can see in again. And all those signs that, you know, people seek and ask for just that, you know, they don't come if you don't release yourself to the wave of it. I have a, I have something I want to go back on, but before I say that, you know, uh, I, I just want to, I guess a reminder that, you know, you should give yourself maybe some more credit and some compassion because, you know, you know, the situation that you have upon you is, is huge. You know, these are things that, you know, are very, very tough and, and hard to struggle through and you're doing a fantastic job. So I just wanted to say that, but um, going back to earlier when, when we were talking about like the pool parties and, and, and the after, um, after Griffin had passed, you know, I guess my question would be in your opinion, is there any way, um, you know, for someone to open up a conversation? Is there any language which you prefer to use when, when, you know, when having conversations about suicide? Cause sometimes it's, you know, whether the person, um, that has, you know, has, is gone, whether they had a best friend that, they were close with it may be hard for them to verbalize how they're feeling. And, and maybe they want to say to you, you know, something in the, in the, in the, you know, in the biggest way, but they just can't find the words to say. So I guess the question, you know, would be for your opinion, is there any way to, for someone to open up that conversation or, or a particular language to use for this specific topic? You know, I, I um, have talked to some of his friends and I talk to my friends about it a lot. You know, um, I post thing, things on Facebook and 
Instagram all the time. Um, that's something that really bothers me and that I want to change is the stigma of the silence. Um, especially in men. I think that, you know, they hold their feelings back. Um, they hold their struggles back. And, um, you know, that's got to change. You can't look at somebody who is sharing their struggles as weak. It's, it's not weak. It's just the opposite. And um, what I hope and pray to do one day um, is what, you know, one of my best friends, Denise, told me is someday you are going to take this tragedy that happened and Griffin's life as a blessing and turn it around and make a way for others. And that's when I told you, Tim, that when you reached out, I told you that. And I said, you know, this is my first step. You know, it, it's taken me almost three years, but this is my first step. And, you know, I, I would love to be able to go into junior highs and high schools and say the word suicide. And my good. son. Good for you. You should. And, um, I am, <clears throat> I know that there are people in my family, my extended family that, and maybe, you know, other people, I know there's other people in my life, um, that look at me and say, you know, oh my gosh, Griffin took his own life. He must have been unhappy at home or, you know, what she must not have been a good mom and, you know, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> I don't want, I don't let that process go through my body, through my head, you know. Good for you. Good for it's you. Not, it's not some shame, you know, it's a disease just like having heart disease or cancer. You know, it's something that somebody should be free to say out loud to whomever. I don't feel good. I'm depressed. I'm having anxiety. I'm struggling. I need help. And, you know, I don't want one more soul to pass by suicide because they're shame or fear. Yeah. Wow. I mean, well, well said, I think we can agree on, you know, we do the same thing. We do this for the same reasons. And uh, I think I can speak for Will, you know, we're both uh, very grateful that you, you know, we're, we're are sharing your story with us, you know, for the first time. And, you know, it's a big step. And I, you know, again, we both, would encourage you to go into high schools, do what you can, you know, go walk into high school, tell them who you are and tell them what you want to do. Don't let anything hold you back to do that. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I appreciate that. And, you know, you, both of you and above ground have, you know, made me take that first step. You know, it's a big step. It's a hard step. That's the biggest step. It is the hardest step. Yeah. And I'm not saying that the next three or four steps or the next set of la the next set of stairs is going to be easy, but making the first step is always the hardest. And I, I, I can't thank you enough. I, um, we usually finish up the episode with like three questions, but I'm, I'm really trying to read the conversation. And I don't necessarily think that all three of these questions are appropriate at this point. 
I, I thank you so much, Jamie, for being here. I, I am so sorry for not just your loss, but your family's loss, the friends of your son, of Griffin's, uh, their loss, and the loss of just another light that the world has extinguished because that's what happens is that we, we lose another light every time we lose someone so glad that you have found strength and that you were willing to share with us. And, and thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, and God bless you for what you do. Thank with you. Ground and beyond with AFSP and everything. So thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you. And I appreciate you being here. Thanks. Yeah. So uh, I guess if there was, if there was one thing that, would pop into your head if you know if someone said there was something that you could do for mental health as a whole without any kind of restraint what would it be speak use my voice that god gave me use use my heart and uh, and my grief you know i i would i would speak and share the love and the grief that's what i need to do you know, I just need to, to speak. Awesome. Thank you. And you have, and I, 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 Tim, um, if you could just hang out for one second, Jamie, I'd appreciate it. Uh, Tim, I, I, there's not really much else to say to that man, except thank you for sharing your story with us. And thank you for, for finding the strength to, to, to share your story. And that hopefully out there, there's, there's a parent out there who's been through this that can, that may need some sort of, you know, help or push to, to, to find something to keep going. I don't think there's any wrong way to start, start the conversation. You know, it's just like you said, speak, speak up, speak with your heart and just say what you feel, you know? And I, yeah. I, I, I really believe that the person that you're speaking to isn't going to, to judge that, you know, they're going to welcome it and, you know, and it could be the start of something bigger. Yeah, I agree. So until we speak and meet again uh, next week, uh, be well. Be safe. Be above. If you've lost someone to suicide, you may feel overwhelmed by grief, confusion, or even anger, but you are not alone. The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention offers support in the weeks and months following a suicide. The Healing Conversations program gives those who have lost someone to suicide the opportunity to talk with a caring volunteer. Having experienced suicide loss themselves, our volunteers know firsthand the emotions associated with this type of loss. They can offer comfort and guidance, as well as community resources that may be useful on the path ahead. Healing Conversations are available in person, on the phone, or by video chat. To learn more about the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and how to schedule your own healing conversation, please visit afsp.org forward slash healing conversations.